I'm Chad Ratherwind. And I'm Andy Kinnick. Welcome to No Clip Pocket, batteries not included. Today, we're going to be talking about The Bugs Bunny Crazy Castle 2, a game that was released in 1991 on the Game Boy and was developed by Chemco, uh, which is not a company that manufactures cleaning products, <laughs> even though it sounds like it is. Uh, <laughs> so... The actually, I'm just gonna go step by step with this one. <laughs> All right. This game is called The Bugs Bunny Crazy Castle Two, <laughs> and that is absurd to me. And at no point, like, if you listen to our last episode, the Pokemon Black episode, we called it Bugs Bunny Crazy Castle, and then I was corrected in in that we were actually doing the sequel. So in the the notes of that episode, I wrote. Bugs Bunny Crazy Castle 2, but there's actually a the in front of it, which is horrible, because they had, like, an okay name, and then they ruined it with the the. It's like the <laughs> Boss Baby, how Boss Baby is a much better name for that movie. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, this is a Japanese developer, so I'm sure that was a localization thing. Right. Someone so- made the wrong decision there by putting a the in the front. It's something, they did something strange. And I feel like, if I'm not mistaken, uh, right, so this game was weirdly, like, is multiple games, this happened a lot, and I feel like this is something that I do want to talk about, how this game is really emblematic of, like, Game Boy game development at the time, because uh, this game in Europe, it was also released as just Hugo, mm-hmm. where it Which was... I don't know what that is. <laughs> From my understanding, it's exactly the same game, but it has different sprites and is not licensed as, like, a Looney Tunes pro- product. Uh-huh. That makes sense. And this happened, like... I mean, the obviously the most famous example is your Super Mario Brothers 2 uh, being Doki Doki Panic in Japan. Uh, but, like... Man, this, like, weird licensed game that is, in fact, part of a series that has at least four, if not more, entries? I, I only knew of, of three, so I, but I guess there's more than that. Yeah, I've heard of at least a third one. It's just, like, it's this whole thing seems, and pardon the expression, crazy to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just slap Bugs Bunny on it and push it out to people in the 90s cuz i know who bugs bunny is. This is true. The 90s was even cuz like i remember i had there was like a a Tasmanian devil platformer on like the Super Nintendo or the Genesis mm-hmm. that i had like in the mid 90s and i feel like uh like Looney Tunes generally were having kind of a renaissance at the time. I'm assuming largely thanks to the existence of Space Jam. Yeah, I was going to say, I think they were at like an all-time low in popularity until Space Jam right. brought them back to like, uh, made our generation aware of the Looney Tunes. Yeah, I feel like I probably would not have been uh, like a, a even really aware of Looney Tunes as a thing if it wasn't for Space Jam. I would imagine, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I used to, I used to really like uh, the Wiley e. Coyote cartoons when I was a child, so maybe it it would have happened anyway. Right, and I know my uh, dad really likes Looney Tunes, 
And that might be how I came to own this game in the first place, because right. we I picked this one, because it is a game that I remember playing a lot as a kid, uh, and I'm sure I got this at, like, Toys R Us or whatever. Um, but it's one of the, like, oldest games that I ever owned that I still have, mm-hmm. and I've played the crap out of this game, <laughs> and because... It's this game's actually pretty hard. Yeah. And so I would I'm very like very very familiar with like the first 5 levels because <laughs> I've played them like probably 100 times each. Yeah. I feel like near the end of the year we like to do a few episodes on games that maybe aren't like specifically noteworthy. I'm talking obviously about like the main podcast uh because this is such a fresh vent- venture for us. Um, and, uh, but we, we like to do a couple of games that while maybe they aren't like outstanding or, uh, like, you know, an exemplary part of their genre are like favorites of ours from when we were a kid. Uh, and I feel like this fits that bill pretty, pretty strongly. And Mm -hmm. I know that I've had the exact same experience with so many games where it's like, this was so difficult and I was so young and incapable of playing it that I was just unable to go forward in it. And so coming to this game as an adult. (laughs) Yeah, I'm very, I'm much looking forward to hear what you have to say about it. (laughs) It's a, it was a, it was a, a doozy, not just the first step. And I did end up in Albuquerque at some point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, this game was uh, was was very hard for me on a first time playthrough, and I think most notably, like this, a lot of the times I won't finish a game that we talk about, or sometimes I'll get you know like all the way through it. And this time I didn't finish the game or get particularly far, but I did have, like, a survey because I paid a, a visit to my, my best friend of my childhood named the Game Facts Cheats and Secrets <laughs> page <laughs> where they have a list of all the level passwords. So I've played every level. I've beaten, like, ten mm. out of the, like, 28 or whatever. Yeah, it's just actually really hard for me to like comment on like the design and the difficulty of this game because i i had like when i played this you know i had you know like five games to play and infinite free time so i'm sure i just put like a ludicrous amount of hours into this and i just have like this really thorough understanding of how the game works right so the game's like fairly easy to me now like you know if i come back to it after a while it's a little bit hard to like you know readjust but then once i'm in the groove i can just like bulldoze right through it uh, but yeah i had like a a period of time and like when i was like a preteen, where like i went back to a bunch of games that i would just play the beginnings of as a kid and like actually beat them and i mostly did that with this one at that time but i was never able to beat the final boss Mm. uh going through this myself i found the final boss of this game to be significantly easier than the final level of this game like 
I also never beat the final boss. Mm-hmm. However, I came within like a hit a right. couple of times, and I think that largely it was like just my lack of lives after coming to it. Yeah, from that's the last what it level. is. Yeah, it's the the last level of this game is like is is a fucking novel <laughs> of a Bugs Bunny Crazy Castle two level. But before we get there, I want to talk about sort of how this game actually functions because we just totally we're like we're skirted right everyone past is that. super familiar with bugs bunny crazy castle yeah. right? if you clicked on this video <laughs> odds are you know how it goes yeah um so right jesus okay it's so, actually kind of hard to describe how the game works it is surprisingly hard you what you do is you have to collect i think it's eight keys per level yeah eight keys and that which are in these doors or on very rare occasions like actually out in the overworld mm-hmm. while avoiding enemies or killing enemies if you pick up an one of these items that allows you to kill them a bow and arrow uh i think is a the, bomb a bo- oh yeah you can and you can like kick certain objects yeah like well. um one ton weights right yeah classic easy sliding stuff. weights yes um, yeah, but, and then the idea is, it's kind of like a strategic thing where you want to avoid killing an enemy with an item if you can, because mm-hmm. there are also, like, staircases and, uh, these, like, pipes that you can go through, and if you pass by an enemy, like, going up or down those, you can get past them without taking damage. Mm-hmm. So, part of it's just kind of trial and error, uh, at least for the first bit, till you kind of get a grip on how it works of figuring out, like, okay, I had to sneak by this enemy so that I have a bow and arrow to use on this enemy that I can't get past, then things like that. So it's like kind of like a strategy, puzzly get to the end of the level thing. Right. Affair. As long as you're, yeah. <laughs> it's getting to level while hitting all of the necessary yeah, pit getting stops all the keys. to get the keys. And, uh, like, I kind of planned, not, like, maliciously, but based on my, like, initial experience with this, I kind of came, came, planned to come in and just sort of blast this game for, like, <laughs> what a shit garbage, worst game ever, rascal level. But realistically, these these... Like, the addition of the bow and arrow and the bombs and shit, like, the actual way to dispatch enemies as opposed to just going through them adds, like, kind of a crazy level of nuance to each level. So it doesn't feel like you're struggling to get past things so much as you just haven't figured out the right enemy to use them on yet. Mm -hmm. And, like, there's some enemies that, like, you can exploit the AI to, like just get past without having to deal with them at all like you can just like wait for them to like walk way off to the left so you can go down like a ladder that you need to go down right and while i would say it's pretty uncommon that i think that the addition of butch the dog (laughs) to a game it would be a beneficial thing the fact that each of the enemies are in fact looney tunes characters means that you can easily remember and identify who is where and that way, when you have an item, you're like, I know the one that I have to kill here mm-hmm. is Sylvester. And if I don't, then I, he moves too quickly around this one area, and then I'm fucked. Right. So 
it, it, it makes it, it gives it, like, there's a little bit of a thing that lessens the trial and error uh, than if they had just used, like, generic enemy sprites. Yeah, and there's, like, some enemies that, like, can't or won't go up and down, like, staircases and stuff, and mm-hmm. that helps you remember. And, like, um, what is it, uh, Yosemite Sam, like, you, you almost always have to kill him with the one-ton weights because he just, like, barrels back and forth. <laughs> right. And never goes up and down or anything. But yeah, that's one thing that I want to comment on is actually I think like the sprite work and animation in this is really good yeah. for a Game Boy game. Because like they don't look like shitty pixelated <laughs> like versions of Looney Tunes characters. They look like the characters and they even kind of move like them as much as a Game Boy sprite can. Uh, but like, because I remember, especially with licensed games, like I had this like Star Wars game that I got for the Game Boy that looked like hot trash. Yeah. And like, there's so many Game Boy games that are just like so hard to see like what's happening. Well, we talked about on the very first episode of No Club Pocket. Uh, the like difference in sprite work between Super Mario Land and Super Mario Land Two, like Super Mario Land absolutely falls under the category of like what is happening half the time, mm-hmm. uh, whereas <laughs> Bugs Bunny Crazy Castle Two <laughs> fucking nails it. Like, yeah, it has a lot in common with um, Super Mario Land Two. Yes, the six golden coins. Yeah, right. I forgot the name of the game for a second. Um, where it's like the backgrounds are like usually very light and like the art assets which are like things that you can interact with are kept like dark and then like the sprites are very big and noticeable and it all just like looks really clean right and we didn't even mention that they're uh, they're like environmental obstacles in the form of i guess like bricks and like just special blocks basically mm-hmm. that you can either smash or climb over and the, those are also telegraphed well using the like the art style mm-hmm. that art i mean i can't imagine there's like an art director here that was like we really need to <laughs> well i mean it is kind of hard to say especially like in this was like the wild west of game development yeah that like this might have been a really small team where just like Joe, who was one of the programmers, like oversaw the art too because they needed him to. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and that's kind of that's what I expect to be the case. I mean, but Joe you never did know. A good Ma- job. Maybe there was an art director, but there easily could have not have been. <laughs> right. Uh... Yeah, but whoever made the decisions made all the right ones. Yeah, as far as the. Sprite work goes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as for... I mean, this is this is another... This is a criticism of video games, not a criticism of this game specifically. Mm-hmm. But this is another game that Super did not need to have a live system. Yeah, I would agree. But you could Just having to, to like, like, start the level over. Yeah, especially with the passwords, too. If you've been... It, the, the lives are just a punishment for forgetting to write down the password. Yeah, pretty much. And assuming that you do write down the password or just remember it, like, it, there's literally... The, the punishment is just more time wasted as you try and, like, put the password back in. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it just restarts you. The only time that it ever comes into play is the very last level where you're likely going to lose a bunch of lives and then go into the final boss without much to, to go on. Right. Um, but yeah, that's that's really not 
for the like you could point to almost any game that came out, but like before the year two thousand, right? And might go, why does this have lives? And nobody would be able to give you like a real, like an actual right. good because that's because it's a video game, man. It, yeah, video games <laughs> have lives. Video games make you answer a, a one word question continue every time that you do too much <laughs> wrong. Uh, how many do you remember how many levels there are exactly is it like 30 i think it's 28 28 i like thinking back on this game i remembered there being like a hundred levels right like i feel like looking at that menu screen seemed so much more daunting to me as a child yeah like like actually playing all the way through this and beating it felt like such a herculean feet mm-hmm. back then i mean it probably like it kind of is not like because <laughs> like i had a piece of paper with all the passwords written on it and everything uh yeah i mean like you're not slaying a hydra or anything <laughs> but it is like the amount of of uh, see i want to say dexterity that's not even really the case here there are a couple of times when reflexes come into play yeah well it's more like the first time into it. If you're playing a level blind, r- reflexes matter. Because mm-hmm. there will be times where, like, it gets into the territory where, like, the enemies can drop down onto you. Like, they'll, like, walk off ledges or stuff and things like that. So, being able to, like, react to that and know what to do to, like, avoid getting hit definitely comes into play. But it's more being able to, like, sit back for a second and, like, watch what's going on and figuring out it's more about strategy yeah this is like like especially as a child this game is probably like this is more of a mentally taxing thing than anything else yeah and i don't know that's uh like with a lot of games this has kind of like a hump that you have to get over where like and once you do things start coming a lot easier i'd say once you get like 10 levels in yeah uh it becomes like not so bad but yeah like starting off like even just like the first i want to say maybe like the second or third level there's like kind of like a big difficulty spike the third level was really hard though i think that the biggest difficulty spike is as far as like if you were to play this game just from from end to end is level five i I believe it's level five it's the first level where they introduce pipes Mm -hmm. and they give you about 0.01 seconds to get your (laughs) bearings before they start dumping enemies on you. Is it the one where all the enemies are Wile E. Coyote? Yeah. I actually think that's one of the easier levels. (laughs) I I call that level shoots and ladders. (laughs) (laughs) Because it just entails going up the left side through a bunch of shoots and then down the left side or right side a bunch of shoots then back up to the top oh we might be thinking of different levels then. okay this one starts you in a really confined space uh-huh. that's like uh it, it's like three blocks wide there's a ladder and then there's a pipe on the right and if you wait for like any amount of time at all an enemy comes down the pipe on the right side okay and you have to like basically just get moving immediately and i think the first thing you have to do is go up the pipe in order to avoid that guy mm-hmm. and then come back down later once they've dispersed. Okay. Um, but like, just like when you've been taking the game as slowly and cerebrally as you sort of want to in the first few levels, that one throws you for a loop as you try and figure out where you're supposed to go. And you also have to figure out that the pipe is a thing that you can even interact right. with. 
which might be solved if you played Mario. Well, I was thinking the <laughs> the first Crazy Castle. Oh yeah, yeah. On the NES, right? I've actually don't know how similar they are mechanically. I've never actually looked into it. Yeah, there's a there's a fair chance that there's a difference between them, but I'm not a hundred percent positive. Uh, I don't know what I'm lo- like. <laughs> I was like, maybe I can just YouTube it. That seems like a waste of time on the yeah, podcast. Yeah. Oh. I, I like this uh, reception uh, section on the Wikipedia page, mm-hmm. where it's just one review, uh, where writer Riff Raff from GamePro set, gave Bugs Bunny Crazy Castle 2 a fairly positive review. <laughs> <laughs> Opening that with smooth animation, good fun, and lively action, Bugs Bunny on the Game Boy is actually better than the NES version. Wow. I like that that's just all they have. Right. <laughs> the, the, one the one fact review. That there's even a, like a section for that seems unbelievable mm-hmm. to me. But uh, gameplay, there's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no one wanted to try to describe the gameplay of this game in the Wikipedia page. We, we should transcribe exactly our description and put of it, it on there, and then cite it. No clip podcast. I mean, why not? If you want to do that, I'm, uh, I'll give my thumbs up. All right, cool. That's I give it my official official Nintendo seal of approval. If you uh, listen to this and we still haven't done it, go do it for us. <laughs> uh, we we did okay. So we mentioned the aesthetic value of this game. Uh, and, like, how weirdly the, like, inclusion of Looney Tunes characters actually had, like, a mechanical benefit. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, uh, not, like, on the bad side of the visuals, but on the other side of the, like, overall experiential coin, uh, the music in this game is also pretty... I mean, it's pretty Game Boy, I gotta mm-hmm. say. But it they it has some earworms... That could be very bad, but stuck in your head for a million years, or pretty good and still stuck in your head for a million years. <laughs> yeah, it's got that like Game Boy era, like catchy chip tune thing. Like mm-hmm. if you just imagine classic Game Boy music, <laughs> that's the soundtrack to this game. But it the the bad side of it though is that it uses like the same like four songs yeah <laughs> over and over <laughs> which is part of the reason why it gets caught in your head yeah because you you hear it a million times i eventually just like turn the sound off. yeah and put a podcast on. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this is probably better for me yeah i also really like the sound effects i do i like all the sound effects except for the pick up a key sound effect <laughs> yeah which which really grated on me after some amount of time i love the unlocking door like it going in and out of doors sound mm-hmm. effect. It's like that nice crunchy like sound right. effect. So good. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, this like the sound design and the music of this game is very much ingrained in my in my mind. Bugs Bunny Crazy Castle 2 soundtrack for Super Smash Brothers <laughs> Ultimate. Just Bugs Bunny. Just <laughs> Bugs, Bugs Bunny for Smash. DLC character one. Seems good. <laughs> All right. Uh, did you have anything you wanted to say and get into a big old discussion about? I don't think so. I think we hit everything. I was going to have, I guess, like, just briefly, and I can actually kind of wrap this into my final thoughts mm-hmm. um, if uh, it doesn't spur, like, anything. 
crazy, but uh, I did want to to mention sort of like I feel like in games there's been a, this ebb and flow to like what a licensed release is, and I think that on the earlier side of things. A lot of games use licensing. I mean, in the middle and end of things, games use licensing as a way to obtain like one money from investors to higher sales because of brand recognition. And I think that's all fine. Like that's why these things exist in the first place. Um, and with the exception of like, I guess, a few pet projects where somebody was like, I really wanted to make a game about like whatever epic mickey or yeah, something. yeah like, <laughs> where it's a game that's clearly just developed because there was a some desire there and they fulfilled it but i feel like in this era in particular there's a ton like a, a whole shitload of licensed games that came out particularly on like the nes and the game boy uh super nes later and genesis it also had a lot, but probably fewer overall. And I think that the games that were made in this era, with this game absolutely included, tended to be around, like, there was no indication from the fact that it was licensed as to the game's quality, which is something that came in much later in, like, the late 90s and the early 2000s where somebody was like, oh, this is a licensed game, it's probably shitty. Mm -hmm. And this is, like, one of those rare examples of one that was, like, predates that you might have bought it because of Bugs Bunny, but at the same time you could have also bought it just because, like, it's just a game that has these assets slapped on top of it. Uh, And I, I found that really interesting when I booted it up. I don't really know why. I think it's because I didn't play a ton of licensed games growing up. Uh, and, like, the ones I did play were, like, fucking The Lion King mm-hmm. and the Toy Story games, which are so fucking bad, and <laughs> everyone can go to hell if you enjoyed those games, because they're too hard. Why did they make them? Uh, <laughs> uh, whereas this game, also very hard, but has, like, an actual unique mechanic set. It isn't just, like, a, a baseline standard platformer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like... Like, I had already referred to this as the Wild West of video games development uh, in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, and I think that it was always just a roll of the dice with licensed games back then. Because, like, who knows, like, Warner Brothers might have been just, like, dying to sell video game rights to Bugs Bunny for a, a slice of that video game mm-hmm. market pie that they wanted. <laughs> We like we live in a world now in 2018 where Marvel shopped around for a game studio that was like reputable because Marvel is now this like multi fucking bazillion dollar conglomerate that's owned by Disney and has like all the funds in the world and sh- and found Insomniac Games to make their Spider-Man game and it came out and most people liked the game it was it's like a big it was a big hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, of course, on the No Clip Podcast, talking about Bugs Bunny Crazy <laughs> Castle 2. <laughs> Not the big hit game that I'm talking about right now. Um, but, like, in 1991, like, I imagine Warner Brothers was, like, video game developers <laughs> yeah. in, on, like, in, like, the yellow pages. <laughs> and just, like, came up with a chem cow and were like, 
Okay. Yeah, I, I have no idea how these kinds of deals were made back then. But uh, you would think that they would, like, shop around for smaller studios that would be cheaper to to pay. Or, I don't know, they have to pay. They don't have to pay them anything. Well, they would have to pay them... Well, I guess, I don't know. It depends on who approached who, I right, guess, in I that get, scenario. But anyway, you could go for, like, a, like a smaller developer and you would want to like look at the quality of the games like hey we could slap bugs bunny on this this is like a neat little game and we could just like sell it to seven-year-olds or whatever yeah well seven-year-old andy <laughs> but i mean given that there's so many bad licensed games i, I i'm willing to bet that's not how it worked <laughs> a lot of the time right they probably just auctioned off the uh, likeness rights to the highest bidder for the majority of license mm-hmm. games. But I don't know. It's just, it's a thing that's like prevalent in the industry. And I, there was like a, a pretty strong backlash against it. And the number of games that are licensed has fallen off, or mm-hmm. at least in the public eye. Yeah, I don't know if this is my own personal perception on this, but I, I think the Wii is somewhat responsible for that. Because there's already so much shovelware on it, and there are tons of bad licensed games on it, too. Like, yeah. I feel like that's where it hit, like, saturation in the market to where people were like, we, we've had enough of these. <laughs> Please stop. <laughs> no, I can see that, because the Wii was, they saw, a, like, a market that yeah. was enormous. Right, I think it's exactly the people who would buy those Yeah, games. I think it started on the PS2, and then carried in full force onto the Wii. Mm-hmm. And that's where it hit like critical mass <laughs> and exploded. And now we, we get much, much fewer. Is that, is that right? A lot fewer sounds better. Yeah. Uh, yep. Bugs Bunny. Crazy castle. <laughs> Crazy too. castle. How do you come down on the overall quality of the game? Like how much did you enjoy it? <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a pretty good question. I think my enjoyment of it was probably influenced by a whole lot of factors. I feel like if I played this when I was a kid, I would have, I probably would have liked this game. Um, but I played very little of my like handheld games back then. Like I, I never even really played that much of like tetris or whatever like the first game that really kicked everything off for me on on game boy was pokemon yellow so up until that point i don't know if this game would have gotten a lot of love from me (laughs) uh that being said i think that it's it's a game that has a that is has a surprisingly high quality uh but like i didn't love it and i think that i wanted something that was less frustrating Mm -hmm. than this game is these are my final thoughts. Game was well designed. I could imagine with like an infinite if I was enjoying it to the point where like I just couldn't put it down, I could imagine graphing <laughs> levels out on like notebook paper <laughs> to try and like get the optimal path to take through the level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because I was not having that amount of fun, I ended up becoming more frustrated with it than I would have if I had just sat down and learned it. Right. Uh, I mean, that's all I could have hoped for. Yeah. Because <laughs> we were thinking of games to do for this series. I was just like, oh, 
Bugs Bunny Crazy Castle 2. I have this uh, in my room. I remember it fondly. Let's just do it for the podcast. Right. And then, like, right before we, like, actually sat down to do it, I was like, oh, man. What if this game actually just, like, sucks <laughs> real bad, and I insisted on doing it? Well, I like to imagine that we could get a uh, some kind of an amusing conversation out of, out of whatever is put in front of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that's what makes it an ideal pocket episode more than anything is that like even if it even if neither of us came away from it going like that's better than i thought it would be or as good as i remember in your case Mm -hmm. you know we only need to to blather on for you know 20 or so minutes so (laughs) (laughs) worst case scenario we make some jokes and then we end it yeah and i guess final thoughts on my end are i think this actually holds up better than i was expecting uh there are a few little like things about the way i don't know i guess it's programmed that make it a little bit more frustrating than it needs to be like i think the ai is a bit too fidgety and like just switches directions on like a dime i would be really curious because we didn't actually mention this i do want to at least say Uh i would be curious to see exactly how the ai in this game works because it's obviously not actual like it's not AI that, as we know it right now, mm-hmm. it was some kind of, like, they move this way, then they move that way, with probably a random switch in there sometimes. Mm-hmm. But, like, man, sometimes you would just, like, get on a ladder, <laughs> and they would just stop at the top of it for, like, four minutes. Yeah. Uh, gets a little... Gets old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, overall, uh, I was surprised uh, how enjoyable this game still is, given that a lot of going back to a lot of Game Boy games like can't hold my attention for even like five minutes. Right. And I this I got like about halfway through it this time. So that puts it ahead of a lot of other games in my book. Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Yeah. Thank you for listening to No Clip Pocket this week. What are we talking about next time? Well, we'll see if another Game Boy game can hold your attention for more than five minutes. Hopefully for the about 40 minutes it takes to complete, we're going to be talking about Kirby's Dreamland on the Game Boy. Uh, I, I guess this is kind of following theme unexpectedly, but this was my like Game Boy game of choice growing up as a kid and like has fostered my love for Kirby as time has gone on, even if I like have played one of the more recent releases and find them maybe a little bit simplistic nowadays until that time you can get a hold of us all of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com or on splattershot.pro and there you can find our email address uh twitter youtube all of our old episodes we got some good ones uh this happens to be like a semi-platformer so you will have no shortage of other platform games that we've talked about uh, over the last three years. Uh, thank you for listening. Smash that like button. <laughs> 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 I'm Chad Rutherman. And I'm Andy Kinnick. 
do that over. Okay. (laughs) I was like mid swallowing. I should go. I should become mid swallowing as well. (laughs) Make sure I get my my throat juice, as I like to call it. (laughs) Hold on, my lips are a little dry. (laughs) 